praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer, sing over His wonderful love proclaim, hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory, praise by reading aloud Psalm 150. Would you read with me, please? Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
you made the starry holes, you trace the mountain peaks, you paint the evening skies with wonders. The earth it is your throne, from desert to the sea, all nature testifies your splendor. You know, I went to a funeral this week. I had an uncle that passed away and was sitting there and, and the pastor was giving the message and he made a comment. He looked over at me for whatever reason and he said, it's almost eerie when I look at Bill and see how much he looks like his dad. And I thought about that. You know, I hope it can be said that 
when people see us that they think we look like Christ in the way that we act and the way that we conduct ourselves and, and the way that we do business and the way that we communicate. So I'm the Deacon of the Week this week. Uh, my number's up on the screen back here behind me. Uh, if anyone has anything this week that they need, if they need prayer, for, if they just want to go have a cup of coffee, give me a call. And if you can't get a hold of me, call the church and they'll get a hold of me. And, uh, you know, I'll help you any way that I can. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful day that you have given to us. And Father, I thank you especially for your son Jesus that uh, was crucified for each one of us for our sins. He arose three days later that we can celebrate. And Father, I just, I thank you for all that you do for us and so many things that uh, we take for granted. Just, uh, Father, draw us close to you, open our hearts, open our ears so that we'd hear the message today that Pastor Randy has for us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing. Just a moment more. We're going to read our gospel reading from John chapter 20, continuing this resurrection story. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John 20, 19 through 31. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus lived and died 
his hands his feet my savior on that cursed tree his body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance by heavy song Messiah still and all Your hidden glory in 
Now and for 
future is heaven. I praise God. Indeed, we praise Him for what He has done. Do you ever watch people? Okay, so we have people watchers in the crowd. And when you watch people, you know, sometimes people just, you just take notice that, and, and they are inspiring to you. Um, and so as you, as you watch them, you think, Wow, I wonder, I wonder. And then you see how they relate to each other, and, um, and, and you, just, you just think, thank you. So this morning, I want to um, thank GR and Martha Lowe for their inspiration as they celebrate now, GR's got to be good because it's not till Tuesday. <laughs> As they celebrate 63 years. So we appreciate them. You know, I see GR and Martha walking. This is not a GR and Martha sermon, but, but, you know, they're holding hands. You know, just, it's just beautiful. And I think I should do that more. So I apologize, you know, once in a while, once in a while I think of it and I'll grab her hand, but uh, most of the time I'm just going from point A to point B, right? So, and, um, so this morning we, we continue our, our look at the, at the, the resurrection of Jesus and apparent, and, and we'll look at, um, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 34. There's a lot of verses, and so I will not be reading them. I'll try to highlight for you where I am in the process as, as we go through this. But apparently, there were people in uh, Corinth who were saying, there's no resurrection, period. Not just that Jesus did not rise again, but just the concept of resurrection. They, they could not get their mind about, around the concept of people being raised from the dead. So Paul counters the, their, uh, arg- with this argument. He says, if, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus could not have been resurrected. So he moves so removing the resurrection of the dead leaves us with nothing Paul argues that's his that's his argument so if we if we remove the resurrection of the dead you end up you you do not have a gospel you have a goose egg and it's not from a hen that lays golden eggs. It's a, it's a goose egg. It's a zero. There's nothing there. Paul, in fact, uses the word 
empty in the, and as, um, <clears throat> when he says, if, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. Paul's word, empty. And so is your faith. You have an empty message that we're preaching. And you have an, an empty faith. Without the resurrection, the content of preaching is useless. Furthermore, I, I think I'm in good company, in the good company of Paul, because if there is no resurrection, then, then we are both false witnesses about, about God. And you're in that company too. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and if you believe in the resurrection of the dead at a future point in time, then you're in the company of Paul. And that's good company. This, this not only affects me, but also affects the faith of every one of us. Our faith, our faith is futile. If you take away the resurrection, our faith is, is it's dead, gone, nada. Without the resurrection of Jesus, it's just another interesting story. But with the resurrection of Jesus and the promise of the resurrection of the dead, it is faith building. Paul states the bottom line this way. If no resurrection of the dead, he says in verse 19, then if only what you believe in this life we have hope, then we, it, we are, of all people, most pitied. See, if it goes no further than just the days the, of our life on this earth, then it's hopeless. And we are, to be, we are to be pitied, Paul said. What you, what you believe about the future impacts your witness now. See, if I believe in the resurrection, and I believe in someday the resurrection of, of all people and the division of of those who are followers of Jesus and those who are not followers of Jesus and those who those who follow Jesus spend forever with him in heaven and those who are not followers of Jesus spend forever apart from him, then if I believe this, then it impacts how I live my life now because I don't want to go alone to heaven. I want to bring as many people with me as I possibly can. What about you? What about you? So, because we believe in the resurrection, we have a 
We have a gospel. So it's a, it's a gospel or a goose egg. You choose. If you remove the, re- the resurrection of the dead, you have zilch. Verses 28 or 20 through 28, Paul lays this out for us because Jesus was crucified on, as we know, on the, in the season of the Passover. And they, uh, but he was raised. He was raised on the, on the first day of the feast of the first fruits. Now, in the Old Testament, the first fruits was, was an offering the people would bring. And there was, a, there was a multi-day festival about these first fruits. And it was the beginning of the wheat harvest. And people would come and bring this generous offering in anticipation of, of an even greater harvest to come. So they'd take those first, those first fruits of the offering and bring it as a, as a worship offering to God. And the resurrection of Jesus, Paul says, is the first fruits in anticipation of the resurrection of his followers. Now, he, he fleshes this out for us in this way because Adam... The first man and his, and his spouse, they were in this together, but Adam gets the blame because it rightfully sets with him. People say, well, Eve took the temptation. She gave it to Adam, but he was there. He knew what was going on. You know, it's his responsibility. And Paul says, Paul says that through Adam... We all died. We died physically. We died spiritually. Through Adam and his sin, we are separated from God. Because, as Paul would write to the Romans, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So through Adam, every one of us, every one of us is separated from God. Dead. But through Jesus, who is the first fruits of the resurrection, comes life. You see, Jesus said, as John recorded in John 10, 10, that he had come to give life and to give it abundantly and in the resurrection, Jesus delivers on his, on his purpose for coming. Because he lives, he now has the power and the authority to give life like no other. Through, through the resurrection, the, Jesus is the giver of life and the gatherer of a kingdom of followers. And you and I, we are part of his kingdom. 
that he's gathering together. And Paul says there's a, there's a day coming when he will gather up all of those who've become his followers and, and will present them to the, to the heavenly father. And, and Jesus has, Jesus through the resurrection is the, he's the destroyer of all dominion and authority and power and death. And it is the resurrection that crowns Jesus as Lord of lords and King of kings so that the Father, as Paul puts it, may be all and in all. And and Jesus is the He's the first fruits of this resurrection. And there's more to come. That would be you and me. At some point in the future, we are raised, we are raised from the dead to spend forever with him. What you what you believe about the future impacts your attitude. Now, you see, if, if I have hope in a resurrection, then, then I have a living faith. <clears throat> it's not a stagnant faith. It's not a creed. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's alive because it's filled with the life of Jesus and I have a faith that is, that because it's alive, it is growing and expanding and enlarging and is active in my life. If, if I believe this, then my attitude toward the gospel and toward other people is reflection of this living, this life-giving faith I have received. So it's either... A life-giving faith or zilch. You choose. If you remove the resurrection of the dead, you have a nothing funeral. Future. <laughs> nothing funeral too, I guess. But <laughs> a nothing future. Apparently, some of the Corinthians... We're being baptized on behalf of the dead, uh, which, by the way, Paul does not endorse. He just lists as something they were doing. He will later say, this is to, to your shame, in fact. So not that, but a number of things included in that. Um, uh, and, and these family members were not followers of Jesus, and somehow they'd gotten this weird idea that if they were baptized, then that would benefit their family members. And, and, of course, if you read any of the New Testament, you'll know that baptism does nothing for you except get you wet. Because it is purely a, simple, a symbol of the transformation that God has already worked in your life. And it's important. It's important. But baptism does not give you life. Jesus and your commitment to him gives you life. So Paul, Paul was saying, okay, if you guys say there's no 
resurrection of the dead, then why all the bother with this baptizing your loved ones so that they have a future? It doesn't make sense. And so Paul, Paul just kind of helps them understand this. So without, without the resurrection, there's no hope for a future for the living or the dead. See, if you take away the, if you take away the resurrection, you take away hope. And if there's no hope, If there's no hope giving, giving um, <clears throat> the, the resurrection, why, why would, would people in Paul's day be willing to give their life for a lie? And if there's no resurrection, why would... Why would people who believe in the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead through the centuries be willing to be martyred for what they believe? You see, Paul says, Paul reminds us this is is really practical. Baptizing the dead doesn't do any good for them. Baptizing yourself for the dead doesn't do any good for them. But people, people who believe this have been willing to give their lives to make known the message of Jesus Christ, his life and his death and his resurrection. And so it does not make sense to put your life in jeopardy if there's nothing to be gained. Paul says there's everything to be gained. Without the, without the resurrection, there's no, there's no motivation for moral living. As Paul says later on, after, uh, verse 33, I think it is. There's, no, there's no, no motivation to live up. You can just, we, we live to the lowest level. Because we've been influenced by Adam. But when we've been influenced by Jesus, we live up. We live up. And there's no motivation to live up if Jesus is not alive. And if there's not something more than this life that we live in. What what kind of future can you build on the philosophy of eat, drink, and die. What kind of future do you craft if your view of life is eat, drink, and die? It's a nothing future. Without without resurrection... A hopeless life is all there is. And what, what you believe about the future impacts 
your behavior now. Because I believe Jesus is alive, and because I believe in the resurrection of the dead that we will all experience it sometime in the future, I choose to live up. To allow his spirit to work and live within me, to lift the kind of life I live from the gutter to the gallery. See, what you believe about the resurrection impacts how you behave every day of your life. Hope or a nothing future? You choose. It all hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. So I started off with this formula. Crucifixion minus resurrection equals cipher. And by now, I think if you didn't know before, you've now figured out cipher means nothing. <laughs> okay. Should have figured it. Hopefully you figured that out by then. But here's, here's a Here's a formula which will give you hope. The crucifixion plus the resurrection equals life now and forever with Jesus. You keep the resurrection and you have, you have the be- opportunity to have the best possible life you can live now in a life that lasts forever. Death The last enemy is defeated by the resurrection of the dead, verse 25. Okay, more about that in a couple of weeks. And life is given in Christ, verse 22. So death is defeated. Now, because of Adam, who's dead, we're all dead. Because of Adam. Because of the resurrection. Death is defeated. Because of Jesus, life is given. What you, what you believe about the resurrection is impacts your future both now and forever you can take away about everything else and still have faith but without the resurrection we really have nothing to offer Jesus is alive and he gives life and we rejoice in it Paul Paul quoted a Greek poet when he said bad company corrupts good character 
by the way, if you have children, you, you should just make note of this passage of Scripture in uh, chapter 8 or chapter 15. Um, uh, it's verse 33. Because it's a great reminder to your kids every time they leave the house, especially when they get to be teenagers and can drive on their own. Okay. Bad company corrupts good character. Okay. Because what happens is bad company pulls us down. Now we may think, I got this. And I'm gonna I'm going to influence them for the good. Only the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus can influence them for the good. They will pull you down. If you go it alone. So just remind them. Just like Paul reminded, reminded these folks in, in Corinth. He said, he said to them, come, come to your senses and quit sinning. This not believing in the resurrection, Paul equates as sinning. Come to your senses, quit sin, th- sinning, bad theology, the bad theology of some was compromising the witness of the whole church. The bad theology of some was compromising the morality of the whole community. The bad theology of some was corrupting the attitude of people in the church. See, Paul saw the impact of bad company on the church in Corinth. And he said, come to your senses and quit sinning. So as believers here in the room this morning, I just remind you something you already know, but sometimes we need to be reminded. Belief drives behavior. What you believe influences how you behave. Bad theology, that's how you believe, compromises morality, attitude, and witness. So the challenge in this for us today as believers is to renew our commitment to the Word of God. Because unless I'm I'm growing in the Word, um, I don't have a defense against the bad theology around me. And there's a lot of it, by the way. Um, I don't do this often, but once in a while, I'm up late. And I listen to late night radio. And if you listen to late night Christian radio, in the middle of the night, you can hear some of the worst theology in the world being taught as if it were true. So here's my word of counsel to you. Don't listen to late night theology, radio preachers, you know. 
But each one of us has a responsibility to be in the Word, developing our own understanding of the truth of the gospel so that we can live the truth of the gospel. Today I call you to, to this commitment, to be in the Word, growing in the Word, so that you can have a positive influence in this community and within the body of believers. If you're here today and you're not yet a believer in Jesus, I just, I just want to ask you to consider Jesus. You know, we, we talk about the fact he's alive. You think, just consider Jesus and what he's done for you and, and what he offers. He offers life. And the consequence, the consequences of non-belief they're universal in scope, and they are eternal in duration. You're not going to get out of this life alive unless Jesus comes right away, as in today. And none of us have any assurances. And when, when, when the physical breath of life has gone from these lungs and I live no more. The condition of my heart and my relationship with Jesus in the moment I drew that last breath means everything. Because faith is for living Faith, this is a faith to live by and to die by. And we just, I just want you to please consider Jesus and what he's done for you and ask you to give your life to Jesus because it is the best possible life you can live now and a life that lasts forever. We stand together and sing not I, but um, but through Christ in me. As we sing this song, I want to ask you, just if you're a believer and you need to come kneel and pray, feel the altar's always open for praying. If you need to unite with our church, we'd welcome members at this time. We exist to fulfill the Great Commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Come and share that with me here at the front. If you need to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, please come. Please consider Jesus, and then let's declare a public faith in him. If you join us online this morning, thank you for joining us. Just go to the website, firstbaptistclinton.church. Click the I want Jesus in my life button, and, and this will start a process where we engage in a conversation with you. Or you may text or call me. My personal number is 